this is Michelle Garber, and I am the host of the Nip Tuck Talk Show. This is a pre-recorded episode that I recorded live at the American Academy of Dermatology meeting in San Francisco, California. I'm going to be speaking with Dr. Mary Lupo, who is a board-certified dermatologist of the Lupo Center for Aesthetic and General Dermatology in New Orleans, and Dr. Lupo is also a clinical professor of dermatology at Tulane Medical School. We're going to be talking about exfoliation of the skin, as well as a holistic approach to aging. Please stay tuned. Welcome to the Nip Tuck Talk Show, Be Beautiful Not Botched, with your host, beauty expert and plastic surgery coach, Michelle Garber. Navigating the world of beauty is confusing. Join us as we explore the truth behind the hype of plastic surgery, beauty products, medical aesthetic devices, and more. Listen to hot topics, beauty tips, and intimate talk with the world's leading medical and beauty industry experts. Get the insider scoop on the latest medical technologies in the world of beauty. Take a journey with real patients as they discuss their plastic surgery experiences. We'll cover everything you need to know to empower you to make the safest beauty and plastic surgery choices. Here's your host, Michelle Garber. I'm here with board-certified dermatologist, Dr. Mary Lupo, who's founder of Lupo Center for Aesthetic and General Dermatology in New Orleans. Hello, Dr. Lupo. Hi, how are you, Michelle? I'm great. How's it? Dr. Lupo spoke this morning on exfoliation, the how, where, why, and with what. So let's talk about it, a little bit about exfoliation. What exactly is exfoliation, and why should every person exfoliate their skin? Well, first of all, not everyone should exfoliate their skin. Oh, there I've been corrected already. So, so the number one thing people need to know is exfoliation, by definition, is the removal of the stratum corneum of the skin. It can also be uh, some edema that you initiate in the epidermis, and it can even be what is called epidermolysis of the epidermis, which means the removal of the entire epidermis. What it is not is any damage to the upper dermis. Once you are damaging the upper dermis, that becomes a medium depth chemical peel that is no longer an exfoliation. Now, when we talk about exfoliation, it is not synonymous with a chemical peel. It is, it includes chemical peels, but there are other ways to exfoliate the skin. There's mechanical means and there's enzymatic means. So by far, uh, chemical exfoliation is extremely popular. The most well-known might be glycolic acid. You can use glycolic acid at home. Uh, certainly, we as dermatologists are uh, extremely adept at doing in-office exfoliations, which are safely but definitely more aggressive than home treatments. So what my talk was discussing from the viewpoint of the dermatologist was, well, why do we want to do this? But more importantly, why don't we want to do this sometimes? Because we as dermatologists recognize skin conditions that maybe make a person not a candidate for these procedures, whereas an esthetician or someone who's not well-versed in the anatomy and physiology of the skin or knowledgeable about skin diseases, they may not recognize that that person should not be exfoliated. So for example, if someone has inflammatory acne, 
And that, by definition, is acne that has nodules and pustules and erythematous or red papules. They are not a good candidate for microdermabrasion. In fact, microdermabrasion might actually worsen their condition because you could fraction that very, very uh, edematous pilosebaceous pore and actually break it and cause a granuloma to form. And a granuloma can last for years. So you don't want to do microdermabrasion with active inflammatory acne or active rosacea that's inflammatory. In addition, there's a variant of rosacea called erythrotelangiectatic rosacea, which by definition is the rosacea that's just redness and flushing and the dilated capillaries. Well, microdermabrasion is a terrible choice for that patient. That patient would be better served by either doing intense pulse light, a vascular laser, or perhaps something like a mandelic acid peel or salicylic acid peel. Those tend to be anti-inflammatory. Also, the people who are very, very red, if you will, I don't think glycolic acid is a particularly good option because glycolic acid causes a little bit more erythema or redness. Another uh, group that I do not think glycolic acid is a great choice is skin of color patients. I have a practice in New Orleans. New Orleans is a very um, ethnic blend, and we have a large uh, portion of our population that's skin types uh, three, four, five, and six, the darker skin types. Well, these patients, by the way, do very well for microdermabrasion, extremely well with microdermabrasion. They do extremely well with the salicylic acid peels. Salicylic acid peels are very safe with skin of color because it doesn't require a neutralization step. Glycolic acid must be neutralized, and that makes it potentially more dangerous for darker skin because if there's a little area that isn't 100% totally neutralized, you can get inflammation. And inflammation is never good for skin of color because it is inflammation that causes post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation. That is, we call it PIH for obvious reasons. Post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation is quite a mouthful. But PIH is seen in darker skin types, and it's when, as a result of some sort of inflammation, infection, or irritation of the skin, the skin paradoxically produces more pigmentation. So a glycolic acid peels, if they're not perfectly neutralized, you can get a hot spot and a dark spot. So I particularly like salicylic acid peels and microdermabrasion on my skin of color patients. So the purpose of the exfoliation discussion in the cosmetic symposium was really to review for the medical dermatologists out there that maybe don't do quite as many peels as a cosmetic dermatologist like myself does, just to make sure that they understand the nuances and they can give the very best and safest outcomes for their patients. So what I hear you saying almost is a lot of people end up going to an esthetician and an esthetician evaluates their skin and they make suggestions. And what I hear you saying is that estheticians sometimes may not really know what they're, well, I'm not going to say they don't know what they're doing, but that person may be better off seeing a dermatologist first, get their skin analyzed, and go to be treated by a dermatologist when you're talking about exfoliations and peels because it could cause more harm to them if it's not properly administered. Is that correct? Absolutely correct. But one of the most 
catastrophic outcomes I've ever seen from a chemical peel was one that was done by an esthetician who did not recognize that the patient had flat warts. And she actually caused the flat warts, which is a viral condition, to spread by her actions. So I think it's good to have a baseline assessment and to, if you will, get clearance from your dermatologist. Is it safe for me to go to my esthetician and get these light peels? I certainly have patients who are my patients who get light exfoliations from their estheticians at their, at their spas. I have no problem with that. But I really think it's a good idea that they've had my, their skin evaluated because I will tell them, don't do this. In other words, if they have erythematous uh, rosacea, I will say, do not get a microdermabrasion. And it's amazing to me how they'll often say, oh, well, I've already had a few. Maybe that's why my skin is redder than it used to be. And the answer is, yeah, that's right. And so you should have come to me on the front end rather than on the back end. But I certainly don't want to give the impression that I don't recommend people be treated with, with, with certain treatments in, uh, in, in, in their spas and salons by qualified and licensed estheticians. But I do think that it's a really good idea if you have any questions about your skin. Is your skin a little redder than average? Is your skin, does it have some bumps and you're not quite sure what those bumps are? get evaluated by a dermatologist first. And certainly with the case of telangiectatic rosacea, um, I have better peels in my office and better modalities to improve it in my office than you can get at a spa. Um, but if you've got photo-age skin and you want a low-level treatment to improve the appearance, I think getting light exfoliations at, uh, at a salon or a spa by your esthetician is perfectly safe and appropriate. Now, by light, light exfoliation or light peels, what do you mean by that? I'm talking about uh, like a 15% glycolic acid peel, um, maybe a 20% salicylic acid peel, uh, or light microdermabrasion if that's an appropriate choice. Um, I think it's important that if the patient has very thin skin, that they not have a microdermabrasion that involves a lot of suction because you can actually get bruising of the skin and further harm to those fragile dilated capillaries at the surface of the skin. So it's that sort of thing that I think is, uh, is safe to do with an esthetician. Just make sure that um, when you're finished with that glycolic acid peel that there's no area that's burning. And what about at-home exfoliation? What would you recommend? Well, talk to your dermatologist and make sure. I, I, I actually find that uh, at-home exfoliation is, is, is a wonderful way to regularly enhance the penetration of your topical cosmeceuticals or prescription agents. So for example, if you have somewhat oily skin, I think a mechanical scrub is perfectly all right. I think um, rough face cloths and buff, buff puff type products are perfectly appropriate. Um, and I do think that whatever you do immediately after you exfoliate, you're going to get better penetration of that active. So let's say you're using an antioxidant. If you've just exfoliated, 
you're going to get better penetration of that antioxidant. That's why repairing antioxidants now immediately after some of our laser uh, procedures, such as like the clear and brilliant uh, and the micropenning devices and stuff, because you're increasing the penetration. So you're going to get more bang for your buck from those ingredients because they're penetrating past that dead stratum corneum, which when it's present, impedes the penetration of the active. When we're referring to antioxidants, a lot of listeners probably do not know what you mean by an antioxidant. Could you explain that a little bit further? In the course of living, uh, we produce free radicals. Free radicals are a byproduct of oxygen metabolism, but there's also an increase of what are called reactive oxygen species uh, when we are exposed to ultraviolet light, pollutants, things like that. So what antioxidants do is neutralize those free radicals and eliminate them from your system. The reason you don't want a lot of free radicals is the free radicals damage our collagen and our elastic tissue and accelerate the aging process. I personally believe that um, it, when, when one is under extreme stress, whether it be emotional or physical stress, um, there's an increase of cortisol output, which is your stress hormone. And I, I honestly think that it's those stress hormones that accelerate the aging of the skin. I think stress hormones have an effect on uh, gl glucose metabolism. And uh, when glucose metabolism, there's something called um, um, glycation end uh, products, which are a result of the metabolism of sugar. And these things have actually been found to damage our collagen. A glycation uh, causes a hardening of the collagen that makes our body destroy that collagen more rapidly. So I think that when people go through a horrible time emotionally, when they say, I feel like I've aged five years in a month, I don't think that they're lying. I think it's often true. And so that's why I think, think a holistic approach to aging, where one is, has a diet that is high in proteins and antioxidants and, and healthy nutrients and lower in sugars and simple carbohydrates, I think that's an anti-aging diet. I think doing what we can to diminish stress in our life, whether it be through meditation or prayer or quiet time, relaxation, massages, whatever that might be, I really think that that helps the aging process. Of course, using a sunscreen every day is extremely important. And of course, using some sort of a retinoid at night and maybe combining that retinoid with a daytime antioxidant, a nighttime collagen stimulator, whether that be N-acetylglucosamine, which is a great ingredient that strengthens the dermal epidermal junction and is a four uh, a precursor, if you will, of hyaluronic acid. We all know how important hyaluronic acid is to the skin. That's why we inject it into the skin to make it more youthful. Well, they have new generation hyaluronic acids now topically that are cross-linked. They last longer on the skin. N-acetylglucosamine, which helps build innate hyaluronic acid. Peptides that act to signal the skin to make new collagen. So all of these things, it's, it, it's, it's, I make the analogy to my patient that taking care of your skin and making it age slower is very much analogous to a fitness routine. You know, if you're really out of shape and overweight, if you start walking, you're going to look better. But if you walk and you use weights, 
you'll look, as we say down in New Orleans, more better. And if you, in addition to that, do, 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 do uh, uh, stretching and, and, and core training and maybe dietary manipulations, the more modalities you add to a regiment, the better your results are going to be. So if you're using a sunscreen, you're going to look better. If you add a retinoid to it at night, you're going to look better. If you add a peptide or an acetylglucosamine or something or a growth factor, something to stimulate new, new, new skin, you're going to do better. If you exfoliate and you allow these things to penetrate better, you're going to do better. If you apply products that decrease transepidermal water loss and improve the barrier of the skin, you're going to decrease inflammation of the skin which decreases those free radicals, so your skin's going to be healthier. So it really very much is um, an orchestra of things that we do. And that's what I think board-certified dermatologists do best, is we're the conductors. And we tell the violins when to play, and we know when to pull in the cosmeceutical. We know when to pull in the filler. We know when to pull in the laser. And we know when to use the neuromodulation. And we know when all of them need to be playing at the same time. So it's a finesse, and it's an art to what we do. And it's the judgment and the ethics of the physician. So it's very important for people to do their homework and make sure that their, do their doctor is board certified in an appropriate specialty, that they have a good reputation in the community. It's bonus points if that doctor does clinical trials and uh, is a trainer uh, of other physicians, a, 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 a national lecturer who's an authority on it. All of these things are little things that you can do your homework as a consumer so that you make a good choice because it's not the filler, it's the filler. Because it's not what you're injecting, it's who's injecting it that's ultimately the single most important differentiator between a good result and a bad result. That is expert, expert advice. Thank you so much, Dr. Lupo. And again, I want to really advocate, don't go buy your skincare products at Macy's and Nordstrom and Saks. Go to a dermatologist first because you don't know what you're putting on your face. So thank you again and have a wonderful rest of the weekend here in San Francisco. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Nip Tuck Talk Show with Michelle Garber. We hope you enjoyed our show. We want to hear from you. If you have questions, show suggestions, or comments, email Michelle at info at niptuckcoach.com or leave a message on our Facebook fan page at Nip Tuck Talk Show. To contact Michelle directly, call 415-494-7211. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Podbean. If you like this podcast, please tell your friends. Thanks again for listening to the Nip Tuck Talk Show, your plastic surgery connection. Be beautiful, not botched.